Welcome to the Anchor Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord by an in-depth study of the Word of God. So grab your Bible and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with today's message. As the Middle East is preparing for the invasion of Gog and Magog, the same things that are going on here domestically in other forms, you see the shooting of that Nicholas Cruz on that school. And as the video mentioned, he heard voices telling him what to do. I clearly believe uh, not only did he have mental issues, but they always explain away mental issues when it's actually sometimes spiritual issues. And sometimes there are demonic issues. And I believe when you see something like that, it's clearly demonic. People in our culture won't put their finger on it, and they just explain it away as mental illness. But the reality is there's a whole host of demons at work in the world along with Satan. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Revelation 9. Revelation 9 is plumbing the depths of demonology, and we're going to have to go into that. The title of today's message is, Loving the Wrong Things Will Destroy Us. And that's clearly true about what our world is becoming. They love the wrong things, and our society is destroying themselves. See, when you understand what life is about and you understand the Bible, what you find out is you're defined in life by the things you love and the things you hate. And what the Bible is trying to show is you need to love the right things and hate the right things. What do you mean by that? Well, God wants you to love Him and love others. But He wants you to hate sin, hate evil, and hate wickedness. When you don't get that simple proposition... Love God, love others, hate sin, hate wickedness, hate evil, then your whole world will go upside down. You can't rationalize anymore. You can't think straight if you don't love the right things and hate the right things. And you think about our culture and what they love. They love themselves. Our cultures are completely becoming a narcissistic culture. How many selfies do people take of themselves and post them on Instagram and Facebook? It's completely narcissistic. Our culture loves things that mood alters them. They love to escape. And it's just not just going to the movies. They like taking drugs, over-the-counter, prescription, whatever, alcohol, sex, porn, food, any cheap thrill that gets them to escape reality. They love that stuff. They love their self-centered God that they have created. The God that allows them to do anything they want. Oh yeah, they might call him Jesus, but their Jesus allows them to do anything and practice any kind of deviant behavior imaginable. They love their rules of life, but they don't like God's rules. They make up the rules and they go by them. They love immorality. They call it freedom, but they love what the Bible calls immorality. What the Bible calls is enslavement, but they love it. They love anyone that agrees with their ideologue. They love anyone agrees with their agenda. But if you have a differing opinion, they will harass you, call you names. Just like you saw this last week, anybody that opposes their ideologue, they say, burn, baby, burn. Kill them. That's their mentality. They can't have an opposing opinion because they love the wrong things. And they hate wrong as well. The people of our culture hate 
biblical morality. They absolutely cannot stand it. They hate God and they hate the Bible. They hate real Christians. They can tolerate the fake ones. They can tolerate the spineless Christians. They can tolerate the Casper Milktoast types of Christians, the, the liberal progressive Christians. They love them. But if you get a solid Bible-believing Christian, they hate you and I for that. They hate anyone that disagrees with them. See, they love the wrong things and hate the wrong things. And because of that, it's going to destroy them. Because when you get that messed up, you're on the path of destruction. Let me give you the setting so you know what we're going into. God is going to reveal in this chapter, in the book of Revelation, the very creatures these people of the world called earth dwellers worship. Now, the people of this world, they don't do a direct demonic worship. You have to understand that. They worship demons and they worship Satan through other vehicles. There's very few Satanists on the planet, by the way. But Satan masquerades himself as other gods, as other vehicles, as other religions. And he gets that worship from them. The Mormon God is Satan. The Islamic God, Allah, is Satan. The Jehovah Witness God, Archangel Michael they call him, is Satan. All these false religions worship Satan. It's the same thing. The New Agers worship Satan. The witches who worship creation are worshiping Satan. They don't know that. But what God's going to do in this chapter is reveal to humanity the very thing that they're worshiping and show them it's all demonic, that you're worshiping demons. Your love for drugs is a worship of demons. Your love for sex and you're an addict is a love for demons. At the end of the day, God wants to show them this is what you're really worshiping. And the question you and I have to ask is this. If God shows them what they're truly worshiping, will they stop their behavior? If God shows this is the creature you're worshiping, this is the demon that you're worshiping, is that enough to see it and say, oh, I got to stop. That's crazy. What am I doing? What was I thinking? Holy moly, that's a demon. We'll see. There's an act of judgment and an act of grace in this. The judgment is, I'm going to let the thing that you love destroy you. Now, we know that in the principle of you'll reap what you sow, right? We understand that, that life ends up giving you the consequences that you deserve and I deserve for making irrational decisions, for making dumb decisions or whatnot. It comes back to us, and we have to live with those consequences. We get that. But then, when you see in this passage a direct, a direct assault from God to the individual to show them, this is what you want, I'll give you what you want. You want to worship demons? I'll show you them and you can have them. But first of all, I'm going to let them destroy you. It's just the same as when someone is an alcoholic and they keep drinking and drinking and drinking. And what does it do? It destroys them eventually, right? It destroys the relationships. It destroys everything they have in their life. They can't work. They can't do anything. And eventually they die. What God has allowed to happen is the law of sowing and reaping where their sin eventually destroys them. But now we're going to a whole 
whole different level in the book of Revelation. A completely different level to where behind alcoholism, he's going to show, no, it was a demon that was behind your alcoholism. Satan has become what's called the God of this world. And what he does is he controls the world's systems. How does he do that? Through governments, education, entertainment, music. He's at the bottleneck of all the areas of information that comes and flows into our culture. And so he's at the the heads of those areas where all the information comes out. And what he does is corrupt that information, perverts the truth, makes people accept a false morality, a false paradigm, a false story, so that they end up worshiping him and not even know it. Now, no one's ever going to say, except the people of Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan, is that they directly worship Satan. But at the end of the day, God wants them to know, when you don't worship me, you worship Satan. There's only two camps. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There is no neutral ground. You're in one of the two camps. And before we got saved, guess whose camp we were in? We were in the kingdom of darkness. Paul says that. I'm not making that up. We were in the kingdom of darkness. Now we've come into the kingdom of light. There's no neutral ground. No one can play it safe. And so in effect, God is lifting the veil and showing humanity this is what's going on. It's scary, but it's an act of grace. We'll see that. Setting. We're in the middle of the tribulation, heading to the midpoint of the tribulation. We're in the trumpet judgments, right? And what's getting ready to happen is the last blast of the trumpet. The three remaining trumpets are getting ready to blast. And here's what's happened. The sealed judgments have happened when God gives humanity what it wants. Now the trumpet judgments are happening, which in effect affects common grace which means that the things that people enjoy and they don't recognize it from coming from God, he takes that away. And now he personally allows the demonic world to personally attack humanity. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone with demons attached to them or possessed. But if you have, and you've got a glimpse of the demonic I can tell you right now, they would do anything if permitted to, to destroy us. I've looked into the eyes of an individual that has been possessed by 12 demons. And when she went out and they came in and took over, it was like I was looking a thousand yards into darkness. And those eyes told me, if I could get my hands on you, I would kill you right now on the spot. But I know I'm protected because the Holy Spirit has sealed me. I have the mark of God on me in the spiritual realm. And they know I'm off limits because I'm God's property. But the unbelieving world is not off limits. There is no seal on them. There is no seal of protection that they're God's property. And they are on their own with the demonic world. Very, very scary. And so we're going to see this where God says, okay, attack. Very scary. Let's enter into the last woes, the three woes. Let's start verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, 
To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, the idea of a star falling is not a real star. It's a metaphor. A star refers to an angel in this context. Angels are referred to as stars in the book of Revelation. And in this context, the star is an angel, but yet it's in a fallen condition. The way the Greek tense is, it's in the perfect tense. It indicates it's fallen, and it's in a continued fallen state. So we're talking about a fallen angel. And to him, there's the personification of the star. To him was given a key. A key represents authority. And the authority is to open the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is called the abuso or the abyss. Let me show you a little graphic so you can understand. In the center of the earth, God has created a quarantine or several quarantined areas in the earth. When we say people go to hell, I know that's kind of a common nomenclature, but people don't really understand what they're talking about. There's several compartments in the earth that God has created to quarantine sin. The first one was in Sheol, the whole place of the dead was called paradise, Abraham's bosom. It's now empty now because of the cross. Before the cross, people were not legally allowed into heaven, so they went to a place in the earth called paradise. It was a place of rest. It's called Abraham's bosom. Jesus went there. He told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in where? Paradise, and that's Abraham's bosom. Okay, after the cross in Ephesians, it talks about this place, the captivity is being led captive into heaven, and at the ascension, this place was emptied out. So now it's appropriate to say to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord if you're a believer. So paradise is now transferred to heaven. Okay, so this place is empty. The other place, Abaddon, uh, Apollyon, or the pit, is what we commonly talk to as hell. So when people die without Christ, they go to the pit, Apollyon or Abaddon, which Apollyon and Abaddon means destruction. Now, the other two compartments are for the demonic. So they're not with humans. Now, I know that, you know, you see the Bugs Bunny cartoons and there's a devil in there and the pitchfork and he's prodding people around. That's cartoons. The demons have their own compartments. In this compartment, Tartarus, this is the action that the demons did in Genesis 6 where they cohabitated with women and produced Nephilim, giants, fallen ones. And because of their actions, they're permanently confined until the day of judgment in Tartarus, not to be let out. The other place is called the abyss, which we're referring to today in the text, the abuso. It is also called the pit, but the qualification on it is called the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit. You can only have a bottomless pit in the center of of a globe, which makes perfect sense. The bottomless pit is where demons are temporarily confined. Not permanently confined like in Tartarus, but temporarily confined, which means they can be released. And that's what we're going to see. They're going to be released from the pit. Now, as you recall, when Jesus was dealing with the Gadarene that had legions in him, the demons begged not to go to the abyss, the abuso. They said, Son of man, have you come, or Son of God, the Most High, have you come to torment us before the day? But don't send us to the pit, send us into the herd of swine. Remember that. They'd rather go into an animal rather than into the pit, because They don't want to be confined. Okay, so that's what we're dealing with here in this context. Let's go back. Let's jump to verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, the abuso, and smoke arose out of the pit like smoke of a great furnace. So imagine the 
the center of the earth being opened and all that, the, the volcanic action coming out of that. And so the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So the idea is that whatever's being let out of the abuso, this smoke, this volcanic, causes a blackout worldwide on the planet. And then it says in verse 3, Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth. Now, these are not the insects of locusts. These are demons that are locust-like. Many of the demons have animal features to them. They have parts of different animals, and they're made of... So when you look at the four cherubim that are around the throne, they have different animal parts. So I always tell my class on Wednesday night, who came first, the animals or the angels? The angels did, right? It's the animals that God made in Genesis that were patterned off the angels, because the angels came first. And many of the angels have animal-like features. Some angels look like eagles, and some look like different animals. Well, a lot of the demons look like unclean animals, and you'll see that in just a bit. So one of the unclean animals, obviously, is this demonic creature we see here. The locust should remind you of something. When you see the word locust, that's an immediate remez, a Jewish hint. What does that remind you of? It reminds you of Egypt. And I'm always referring back to Egypt because what happened in Egypt with Moses and Pharaoh was the typology of the plagues you're seeing now in the book of Revelation. That was a type, the Revelation is an anti-type, which is the final climax, the big thing that it would point to. So the Egyptian locusts, that came upon Egypt was a precursor to demon locusts that God is going to foist on all of humanity. Remember the typology. Egypt represents the world. Moses represents the Messiah. Pharaoh represents the Antichrist. Okay? And the, the sorcerers of Pharaoh represent the false prophet. So you see all the, the picture there uh, uh, coming out of Egypt pointing to the future. Okay. Why are they released to the earth dwellers? And that's the key you have to understand. Why is this happening? Because what God is trying to do is show humanity, the earth dwellers, what is behind it all. That these are the creatures behind your philosophy of life. These are the creatures that's behind all of your sexual immorality. These are the creatures that are behind your false religion that you think is so great. These are the creatures that are behind homosexuality, lesbianism. These are the creatures behind transgenderism. These are the creatures behind leftism, Marxism, communism, all of that. These are the creatures behind your money and power and fame. These will be the ones that I want to show you. It is an act of grace, but you're going to see the act of judgment as well. Let's continue on. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. See, the demonic know who's who. They know whose property they, people are and who, who isn't God's property. Notice that they can't harm the earth or, 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 sorry, the grass on the earth or any green thing or any tree. That's literally, they're not supposed to touch this, that, which is an act of grace. 
If it's a metaphor, and some interpreters interpret this as a metaphor, it just simply means that the grass and the green things or any tree refers to believers. The fact that they're green represents life, that these are believers. So you come to the same conclusion, basically, is that believers are off limits. They can only affect the earth dwellers, the unbelievers in that time period in the future. So right now I can tell you, The demonic world sees your mark. You don't see it. I don't see it. We don't know who believers are. We take them by their profession of faith. But I can tell you, in the demonic realm, they can. There's been reports from people that have been heavily involved in the occult. I mean heavily involved in witchcraft, Satanism, whatever. And one gal who had the psychic ability to see people's auras, so to speak. Have you heard that? They, they read auras. It's totally occultic, totally from the demonic. Well, when she got converted over to Christ and she became a believer, she said when she was a witch, she knew who real believers were. She said because they shined. She goes, they, other people didn't shine, but believers shined. She said she could see that. Which doesn't surprise me because when you're tapped into the demonic realm, supernatural things can occur like that. Psychic abilities and different things like that because the demons are giving them information. So your mark can be seen. Your property of God. And the demonic know it. And so anyway, that even for us today is is applicable. Verse 5. And they were not given authority to kill them but to torment them or torture them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So he's telling them, you can't kill these unbelievers, but I want you to torment them. The five months obviously is representative of the sting of a scorpion. What do you mean? Well, if a real live scorpion stings you, It won't kill you, per se. The the big ones won't kill you. The sting and the poison will last about 24 hours in your system. It's excruciating pain, by the way, by the sting. It not only affects the sting site, but it infects the entire body as the poison goes systemic in your body. To the point to where the people are in excruciating pain, sometimes they're paralyzed, but if you administer painkillers to them, it exacerbates the problem. They actually feel worse if you give them painkiller. So guess what happens in some of these places where there's scorpions? You just have to ride it out. There's no relief from the sting of a scorpion. You just have to ride the pain out. And then within 24 hours, most scorpions' pain goes away and dissipates. But it doesn't kill you. And hence, these demons are allowed to torment and torture people on the planet for five months, five months. But there's a caveat to it. Verse six, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death flees from them. Death will flee from them. So here's the deal. This demonic attack will happen, but there's going to be no funerals. No funerals will be permitted. Because they're going to seek death, they want to commit suicide, because the pain will be so excruciating, and God won't let them kill themselves. He doesn't permit them to die. So there's no funerals during this period of time. That's absolutely amazing, because what's happening is they can't run from the pain. 
They can't run from the consequence. They can't medicate. They can't do anything. They are stuck in the pain of that reality. Very scary stuff. Now we get into what these things look like. Verse 7. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. They don't have just a locust body. They act like locusts. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. It indicates rank among the demonic. These are high-ranking demonics. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like a woman's hair, so it's long. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. Big, giant wings. They had tails like scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. Now, we have an artist's rendition. And again, probably this lacks in in understanding as best we can. But it's something like that. It has the body of a horse. The tail is a scorpion tail. It has a man's face with woman like woman hair. And then has a crown and big giant wings like the wings of a locust. So they're not really a locust. Their armies are like a locust. That freaks me out. It should freak you out. That's what they look like. Some of them, not all of them, but this group of demons, that's what they look like. They've been in the Abuso for some reason. They did something, and God sent them there, and now he's letting them out. And that scorpion sting on their tail is what's going to affect humanity, or at least the, the earth dwellers. Now, why would God, in the book of Revelation, chapter 9, want to show you what they look like? Why would he want to do that? Why will the earth dwellers see these things manifested? Because right now you can't see a demon. I've seen people with demons, but I I can't see anything. It's invisible, right? You can't see the formation of them. You can't see what they look like. Why does he let humanity see these are the things that you're worshiping? These are the creatures you think are so nice. These are the creatures that you think are avatars. These are the creatures that lead you into sexual immorality. These are the creatures that lead you into your false religion. These are the ones you call Jesus. These are the ones that are causing you to get into drugs and all this other junk that you're involved in. Do you really want to worship these? See, God is pulling the veil back and saying, this is what you love. You don't love me, you love those. That's who you're worshiping. And I want you to see it for at least five months. And I want you to see these things you think love you. But when I let them loose and I say, go for it, they will fulfill their intentions. And their intentions, if I didn't hold them back, would be to kill you on the spot. If, if Satan had his way, if the demons had their way, there would be not one single human being on this planet. They would want to eradicate them. So God has to put a limit in telling the demons, only go so far as to torment them, but do not kill them. And they even obey God. Isn't that amazing? They obey God. Even in the demonic form, they obey God. 
but he's wanting to show humanity, they don't love you. I love you. But you are caught in an unreality. You're blind to what you're doing. So I'm going to show you the reality. This is it. This is as close to reality as you can possibly get when God unmasked the demonic for them. Verse 12, it gets worse. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, or the abuso, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Well, like I said, hell is called Apollyon, hell is called Abaddon for a reason. It's named after the one who sends people to hell, who wants all of humanity to go to hell. It's Satan. It's Lucifer. It's him. He is Apollyon. He is Abaddon in Hebrew. And he's the one who was given authority to open the bottomless pit. He's their king, is he not? A third of the angels fell with him and followed him and think they're going to overthrow God. And so their king, Satan, the destroyer, is coming and letting them out. Now, Again, to understand this destroying aspect, you go back to the Gospels and what Jesus said about the thief. In the Good Shepherd passage, he talks about himself being the Good Shepherd, but then he says this. He says, the thief, and he's referring to Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Apollyon, Abaddon. That's the intent of the demonic realm, to take what you have, to murder you, or destroy you. That's their intent. Jesus said it himself. Those are the three mechanisms, and they do it through lying, through deceiving, through the serpent aspect, right? That's how he does it. Or a full frontal attack like this that is permitted by God. So Satan is the Apollyon and the Abaddon. Okay, so this would be bad enough, and it torments people for five months. Uh, Again, five is important to understand. As far as locusts is concerned, that's how when locusts go through an area, it takes them five months to go through an area. Okay, so it's patterning itself off of locusts. Okay, but what's the five stand for? Five in Hebrew, in Hebrew gematria, it's an alphanumeric system. Anytime you see five, you should say, Ah, what does five mean? Grace. Grace. What kind of grace is here? A vision of reality. That's grace. Grace is showing people reality. Grace is not permitting them to kill them. Grace is saying only five months will I let this go. Grace is all of showing the truth about what's happening. That's where you see the grace in there mixed with the judgment. You'll always see this in the book of Revelation, a mixture of judgment, and there's grace in there. What is he trying to do with the grace? I want you to see what you're worshiping so you'll come and worship me. I'm the one true God. I love you. They don't worship me only. But it doesn't end there. Let's go to verse 12. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. 
Verse 13, then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. This is in heaven, the altar of incense, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Another demonic invasion. So after this five months is over of them attacking ungodly humanity, he follows it up with four angels, fallen angels, by the way, who are at the Euphrates, who have been permanently bound there for some unknown reason. And that means that they've been confined there because they did something very bad in the past. So they've been bound there. But the the mention of the Euphrates should locate you to something. It's a remez again. It's referring back to things. The Euphrates is where Babylon was situated. It's in Iraq. The Euphrates runs through Iraq, comes all the way from Turkey and goes through Iraq. That's where the Babylonian region is. The Babylonian region where the Tower of Babel was, was the original location of where all false religion came from at the Tower of Babel. That's where that came, and then it spread afterwards. That's where it all was. The false religion that Cain was practicing started right there in Babylon. It's a workspace system to, to false deities, okay? And so the fact that they're there is locating, ah, oh, wait a second. The fact that they're coming from there, the original source of false religions indicates something. The current religion that's being formed in front of our very eyes today is called the Whore of Babylon. She's a makeup of all false religions and they're actually gelling together as we speak, forming that one world religion that will attack Christians or believers and attack the Jews. That's already forming right now. There's, there, do you see that in the leftism of, of Christianity, in the apostasy? You see that in Islam. You see that in Mormonism. You see that in Catholicism. Every false religion is moving that way. And eventually, it would be headed up by an individual called the false prophet who will run the one world religion. And and that one world religion will persecute believers. Okay, if we're in the future and we're talking about this, the religion that these people, these earth dwellers are worshiping, they're not atheists. They're worshiping this one world religion, this God of this one world religion. Now, even at this point, the Antichrist is on the scene, but he hasn't taken his place as, as calling himself God yet. So right now, all religions are tolerated except Bible-believing Christians, or believers, I should say. So the fact that he's judging them with the angels coming from the original place of Babylon is an indication of this is not the one true religion. This is coming from the Babylonian religion. This goes back to Genesis. So it's clues for everybody in that situation that this is a false religion. The fact that there's four refers to creation, that they're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. What does Romans 1 say? When you don't worship the creator, you will worship the creation. Oh, like the rocks and trees? Yeah, but it's more than that. What 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 are those angels? They're creatures. So they're not worshiping God, they're worshiping creatures. Even though they're high-ranking demons, they're worshiping creatures. 
And then you can see the progression in Romans 1 of what that does to people. Darkens their mind, messes up their heart. If people in the world can't even think straight. Have you seen the belligerency this last week about that gun shooting in there? How belligerent the left is? They're crazy. They're out of their minds. They won't stop, will they? See, that belligerency is a Romans 1. They've been given over to a depraved mind because they're worshiping the creature rather than the creator. And notice that they've been prepared. I don't know how long they were there. Remember, they're there for centuries, thousands of years. It doesn't matter. But they're prepared for this very day, and they're released. One-third of mankind will die at the hands of these creatures. Again, a third is judgment, and a third is grace. Because it's not all. It's only a third. Okay, let's move on. Verse 16. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. This is not human. It's a 200 million demonic army. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, and those who sat on them with breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. You know why they're clothed like that? That's what hell looks like. Hell looks like that. Fire is red, hyacinth is a blue flame, and brimstone is the color yellow. They represent hell. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths fire and smoke and brimstone. Everything that's in hell comes out of them. And by these plague, three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by fire and smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their, mouth, their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Verse 20, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did what? Oh, God, save me. I repent. Did not repent of the works of their hands. You've got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? In fact, let's go further. What did they do? That they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither hear nor walk, or see, nor hear, nor walk. And You've got to be kidding me. They didn't stop the demonic worship? They went back to worshiping these creatures? Well, they didn't know they were the creatures, but they went back to their system of whatever they were doing. And because of that, they don't change their philosophy of life. They don't change to the biblical morality. Because they don't change and they keep following demons that actually are trying to destroy them, they go back to their societal breakdowns. They go back to what they were doing. Well, what do you mean? Verse 21. And they did not repent of their murderers or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. You've got to be kidding me. They went back to their old life? And notice the murders. It's plural. Murderers. Everything's plural. They went back to aborting children. Yeah, you're right. 60 million children. They don't care. Romans 1 declares, the minute you don't worship the creator, you worship the creation and you go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You do. That's why they don't make sense. So they go back to their murdering. They go back to their sorceries. You know what that is? It's pharmakia. Oh, wait a second. Pharmakia? 
It's not that they're just doing, uh, have a witch's cauldron and stirring a pot like Harry Potter. That's not what it's talking about. Pharmakia means drugs. They go back to their drugs. The things that's mood altering. See, everybody's getting high right now because they're trying to escape reality, whether it's illegal or over-the-counter drugs. They're getting high because they're escaping reality through the drugs. By the way, drugs is not stopping. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Interesting enough, if you make the gun, we're going to eliminate guns. How about this? How did they do in eliminating drugs? We're going to eliminate drugs. How did that work? See how they don't even think straight. The war on drugs is a complete failure. Complete failure. So the drugs are available. People are going to do it, and it gets worse into the tribulation to where they're all drugged up. Perfect for Satan, right? If everyone's on drugs, I can control them. They have no ability to control themselves. And right now, people are on dope. They can't get off. And so their minds are gone. They're being controlled by the demonic forces, and they don't realize it. Do you understand? There's ways to tap into the demonic forces, and you can do it through transcendental meditation, Hinduism, baptize it and say it's contemplative prayer, prayer centering, whatever. Or you can do it through drugs. Either way, it'll get you there. So it doesn't shock me that if you're on drugs, there's demonic activity around you. Doesn't shock me if you're doing Hinduism, yoga, and all these kinds of crazy practices that there's demons are attached to them. Doesn't shock me. But the, they go back to that. Then they go back to their sexual immorality. The Greek word pornea is just, it encompasses all of that. All of the sexual immorality that you're seeing that everyone says, oh, it's fine. You can live together and that's cool. You can, you can be a homosexual and that's cool. You can be a lesbian and that's cool. You can be a transgender and that's cool. You like bestiality, that's cool. You like this, it's all cool. Under their banner of sexuality in the whore of Babylon. But if you support sex within marriage and that's it, you're a bigot. You're the one that's messed up. You're the old-fashioned one. You don't get it. But they return back. And you want to say everything behind sexual immorality is demonic. It's demonic. You can't tell me that fornication, adultery, all kinds of crazy stuff is, is not inspired by demons. You can't tell me that. They're behind it all. They went after our sexual reproduction. He perverted that. That's the first thing he went after. It's their most powerful weapon in humanity to be able to produce life from the sexual union in the bonds of marriage. So he goes right after that. I'll destroy you. And you know how he did it? Look at Europe. Their, the sexual immorality is so high, but yet they don't have children in marriage. The one thing they could be doing, they don't. They do everything else sexually in Europe but the one thing they should be doing, they don't do. The Europeans, within a decade or two, are going to be outpaced by the Muslims. Having eight kids while the Europeans have a big donut hole. Zero kids. But they do every sexual deviant practice they can imagine. But they're not doing the one thing. He's got them. He's completely got them. They're going to have a cultural shift within one decade or two. And they don't stop their thefts plural, stealing. You mean like you're robbing banks? No, nah, no, nah, it's going to be more sophisticated than that. It's kind of what the government does to us. It's kind of what the UN will do to us. 
They'll steal through it through legalization of stealing. That's how they'll do it. You don't think the one world government is going to put heavy taxations on people and steal their money? Why? Because they have to redistribute the wealth, right? It's not fair that you have your money. See, behind communism, Marxism, progressivism, leftism, all that, it's demonic because demons steal. What did Jesus say they do? He comes to steal. Who do you think they learn it from? Their master. They steal. So they go back to all of it. That's why we're having a breakdown in society. These four main societal issues are what's destroying America. Yeah, and I'm telling you, if it continues, it's gone. It's gone. When you break down these four issues right here, stealing, murder, drugs, all that, you're, you won't have a society left. Kissing goodbye. The Americans we grew up in, gone. Do you think in the next election we're going to be able to, be able to outvote the millennials? No. And they're all a bunch of leftists because they worship demons. Yeah, I said it. That's what's behind it all. Yikes. They didn't repent. They saw what they were worshiping and they said, let's go back to it once it's over. It's like what I remember in 9-11. The churches were filled for like a couple of weeks. And what did you see? After a couple of weeks, they went back. They left the church. They went back to their normal life. They just keep rolling, right? They just kept just going on with life. They didn't, they didn't get the wake-up call. Hey, dude, your whole culture's going to shift right now. They didn't get that call because you know what they were worried about? Their little lives, their little jobs. And you know what? As long as I'm okay, then I'm not going to worry about what's going on in the rest of the world. And I'm not going to worry about my spiritual life. And before you know it, the America we had in 2000, 2001 or whenever that happened, today, oh my goodness, it's not the same. And it won't. So what's the application with all this? They, 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 they saw what was destroying them and they don't repent? Yeah, because they love them. What is God trying to show you and I? People can get so depraved even if they do see what's killing them, they won't stop. They don't stop. He's showing us in the book of Revelation, it's possible for humanity to reach the point of no return. You can get so bad, you're not coming back. Why do you think the flood happened? Humanity had reached a point where it's not coming back. You can see glimpses of this now, can't you? I see it on the news, the people at CNN and Headline News and all these other people. These people are so far gone, they're not coming back. Their minds are jacked up. I'm not saying that God's not offering salvation to them. He does that all the way till they're in. Yes, absolutely. But what is he doing trying to show us this? They have reached the point of no return. They go, they, I let the demons attack them and they go back to worshiping demons. Yikes. He's proving it is right in the way I'm judging them. They are gone. They're not coming back. Application. Heavy, heavy demonic activity in this. Heavy demonic activity. The first point of application. The last two years of my ministry here, I've seen more demonic activity than I've ever seen in all my ministry. I'm not joking. 
All I can say from it, it's ramping up. It's ramping up. The demonics know something. They know that something's going down. I'm trying to make it available to you through prophecy of showing you the videos and talking to you about it, of what's going on in the Middle East. Dude, it's ramping up, and they know it. When I see the demonic realm ramping up as they are, then I'm fully aware that something's up. This ain't normal stuff that I'm seeing. I'm not joking, man. I'm not sensationalizing it. I've never seen this kind of activity as I've seen before. Okay, what do you mean? I have seen the demonic activity attacking believers to make them ineffectual. To where they got so many problems, they can't do anything in service to the Lord because they're so wrapped up in their issues. And I get it. We all have issues. But if your issues are preventing you from serving, they won. Because they can't touch you physically. They can't hurt you. So what can they do? I'll just give her or him enough problems that they completely can't do anything for Christ. More and more people are falling and the bodies are lining up. They can't serve because there's too many issues going on in their life. Guys, do not chalk that up. That, well, I'm just having so many issues. No, no, no. You're being attacked. You're being attacked. And you have to see it for what it is. Do not let them stop you. They're wanting you to sit on the silent. Keep quiet. Shut up. Don't move. Don't serve. You got too many issues. Aha. And if you get sucked into that, you're done. We're in the last stages of the church. We need everybody's hand doing something. And if you succumb to that, the demonic has won. You see the bigger picture of what's happening? Second point of application. These are earth dwellers, and it's a technical term for an unbeliever that's, that's not coming back. They're earth dwellers, okay? We're heavenly dwellers. But part of this I want you to see is that there's a principle here I want to flush out. And God's trying to show you and I this. Sometimes the things we love are the very thing that's destroying us. You know why? Because we love the wrong things. Now, we can have pockets in our life. We can have categories in our life. And, and it's not the totality of a Christian, obviously, but it's the stuff we struggle with, that there's a part of us that loves something we shouldn't love. There's a part of us that that thing, you and I know it's killing us, don't we? You know it's killing you. But you just keep rolling, don't you? You think you're going to have enough grace to survive it. But God's trying to say, no, nah, no, nah, that's going to kill you. And if you keep doing it, it's going to make you worse. And it's not going to kill you flat out like a physical killing, but it's killing your relationships. It's killing how you have joy. Maybe you, you, I, you, I don't experience any joy anymore. Yeah, I know, because the thing you love is destroying that. See, he's come to destroy. He's a polyon, a badden. So the hallmark is I, will, I can't take your salvation away, uh, Satan is saying, but I can destroy you. I can't physically hurt you, but I can destroy you. And he's doing that 
with giving you things that you love, that you shouldn't love, and that I love, and I shouldn't love. Coping mechanisms. We love our coping mechanisms, don't we? We love our sugar sticks, don't we? It's how we cope with life. We love them, don't we? We know the alcohol is going to destroy us, but you know what? Boy, it sure takes away the pain for a little bit. We know the drug that we're taking is killing us at the same time, but boy, I sure like what it's doing for me for today. We know that the porn is killing us, but it does provide a way of escape, at least for a couple hours. I know that the overeating is killing me, and giving me high cholesterol, but boy, don't take that away because this is how I cope with life. I have to have my ice cream. You see what I'm saying? You say, well, I don't love that. I, I, I just, no, no, no. No, let's just be honest. Whatever you're using to cope and manage with life is what you love. If it's money, then just admit it. You love money. If it's control, then it's control. Admit it. And he's going to say, oh, you love control? The very thing you're trying to control, the control freak in you is going to kill you because no one likes to be around the control freak. The pride that you like so much is killing you. So God is saying to you and I, yeah, that's not you in that, that passage. That's the earth dwellers. But Brandon and the rest of us, you better love what I love, God says. And you better hate what I hate. See, part of Christianity is knowing how to hate well. You must hate sin. You must hate evil. You must hate wickedness. If you love sin, if you love wickedness, if you love evil, it will destroy you and I. Your marriage will get destroyed, your relationships will get destroyed, and your whole life will keep crumbling down. Now, you'll still be alive, but you'll be a shell of what you once were. And because we're in this war, Satan will be saying, good, I got you. I finished you off. I couldn't kill you, but I shelved you. Do not let Satan shelve you. Serve the king. Don't stop. We don't have much time. Get on board. Start rowing, rowing in the boat and get going. Because our time is short. Let the problems stay where they're at. Minister. Continue to provide what you can do with the skills and talent and the gifts he's given you. Don't hold back. Don't say, there'll be tomorrow. There might not be a tomorrow for you. The rapture could happen. And then it's over. Thanks for downloading the Anchor Podcast. We hope this study was a blessing to you. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Also, check out our YouTube channel, Rock Harbor Church Prophecy Update, where we focus on signs of the times and present a wide range of sermons and discipleship lessons. So until next time, keep looking up, for our redemption draws near.